Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of I See Dead Movies. I am Mike, and if you're watching this on Patreon, thank you for watching this. Thank you for being a Patreon. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you can watch the video version of it on the Patreon. I'll put the link down below. All sorts of fun shit. I was getting ready to go through this spiel, but I'll just put this ad on here. See, look, you didn't even have to watch that if you were part of the Patreon video. Look at that shit, too. How about it? It has been a minute since we've recorded an episode of the show, which is probably why I seem so weird starting it out. I feel like I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. No, I feel like I've just been born out of the Matrix. Nope, can't say that anymore because that makes you see, seem like an, an asshole who's just trying to use the movie The Matrix to get out of the bad things that you did to yourself. Anyways, Matrix and Andrew... Tate psychos aside, uh, <laughs> I see dead movies. It's the podcast where we talk about movies that aren't that popular right now. Where there are no Marvel movies, there are no theatrical, currently theatrical release movies, at least. We're talking VOT films, little horror films, old school action movies, shit like that. The, the podcast that's almost guaranteed to not get a lot of viewers because you're just not talking about anything hip or fancy or cool. Just Movies that maybe not many people are talking about at the moment. And that's what's so fun about it. So, yes, this week I have three movies. And it's so weird. I did not mean to not record an episode of this for a while. It's just that I ran into a, an issue with the podcast host that we have and, and the ads and what's going on with this. So that bummed me out for a little bit. I've been trying to figure that stuff out. That's I don't want to get into that. But there was that and then just a whole bunch of stuff happened. I've just been really behind on the channel stuff and trying to get things together. So that's why we haven't had a new episode of this in a while, but back in the saddle now, I'm going to try to get back to getting up one of these up every week because I love doing it. It's so fun just talking about movies, not having any IP or, um, or just, you know, it's not about views and that shit. It's just about having fun talking about movies and I love it. I hope you guys have been awesome. It's not like anybody who listens to this probably hasn't kept up with the videos on the channel. So it's not like we actually haven't seen or talked to each other in a while, but here we are nonetheless. And I hope you guys are doing awesome. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I've, I've got a, Got a nice mood going on in my head. I'm pretty fucking psyched with life right now. So it feels good. And, and I hope you are too. And if you're not, I hope you get there soon. Um, but yeah, and I hope this lasts for me too. You know, not like a quick sexual episode. Let's keep this positive mindset all the way through the year. That'd be cool. But is this our first one of these for the year? Fuck, I think it is. Holy shit. We're off to a terrible start, aren't we? No, three movies today. And what I was going to say was I've watched about 35 fucking movies since the last time we did this particular podcast and i had so many ideas for what this podcast was going to be so i was doing a i'm working on a video tonight that's going to be up tomorrow on the main channel that's going to be called the top 10 horror slash thriller desktop movies of all time at least in my opinion and uh, some of those were eventually going to be for this i was going to be doing some cyber horror movies that were going to be partly for this and then i was going to do other movies and this and that and it's been so long since then that i've don't have those movies fresh enough in my brain to do so it's just kind of a hodgepodge uh one of the movies we're gonna talk about today comes from that is fear.com ended up not doing a cyber horror movies video uh ended up doing a desktop horror specifically video because there's just way more cyber horror movies films than you think about i mean because you could tie it into so many different things and call it cyber horror so that that video is more like a book that you could write um maybe that's what i'll do i was gonna i had a book that i was actually gonna write a book for a while uh, i have add in case you can't tell i was gonna write a book for a while and it was gonna be called movie memories and it was gonna go through uh all the way back from the first movie i ever saw in a movie theater 
and I was going to chronicle every single, if I could, obviously you forget a few, what just happened? Oh, um, that video is done saving, but I was going to chronicle every movie I saw in a theater from when I was a child to today. I was going to include all the childhood experiences, all the adult experiences, all the teenager experiences, you know, the getting a little in the theater. <laughs> uh, those two is going to be all that stuff. And I was a few chapters in and it was going really well. Uh, I let Katie read it and actually made her cry the opening of it. So I was like, Hey, that's, I'm on a good path here. It was going to be the first book I ever wrote. And then some stuff happened with my family and that was not good. So that didn't literally could not finish that book because when you're going through stuff, you know, with family members and half of your book was supposed to be all these positive and, and good memories with those people. Uh, it's just impossible. You know, it's impossible to do. I don't know how I got off on this tangent just now, but I did. Um, but I remember uh, you guys on the Patreon, I made a big post about it when I was going to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'm writing a book. I'm really excited about it. And for, I guess for those of you who read that and thought I was foolish, I'm not, I just it made it impossible to finish it. So, wow, we went all over the place on that one. I, but yeah, maybe the cyber horror thing will be one. Cause that'll be fun. You know, and nobody's going to fuck that up for me. Our computer's going to, you know, <laughs> or am I going to have a, uh, uh, estrangement with fucking computers <laughs> i don't know but anyways the movies we're doing today are fear.com uh a 2002 shitty horror film and we are doing black butterfly which was just a random watch on hbo max that's what the show's all about right uh 2017 film called black butterfly starring antonio banderas puss and boots and uh finally this is way bigger of a movie than we typically do on here, but I said, fuck it. I want to talk about it, and it's not like anybody's talking about it right now. Heat. Al Pacino's Heat, 1995. One of my all-time favorite movies. Watch it all the fucking time. I just bought the 4K for it. $8.99 at Best Buy. It may still be. I don't know. I uh, got it when I got the... Cl I went to pick up the Cloverfield 4K and saw that, and I was like, yes. I've been waiting on that to come down in price for forever. And it finally did, because sometimes the sun shines even on a dog's ass. But yeah. I'm going to take me a drinky poo here. It's so good. So let's get into it. Which one we want to start with? Let's start with the one I saw. It's been the longest since I've seen fear.com. Do you like to watch? Detective, we've got a white male, 54 years old. What happened to him? Must have been into computers, this guy. This movie, if you guys remember, this DVD was fucking everywhere. Back when the DVDs came out with the little flip case, the little flip thing on the side, and you'd pop it open. Uh, and it had a scary-ass cover, which is pretty much all the movie has to offer is just scary-ass imagery. So this IMDb synopsis of this says a New York City detective investigates mysterious deaths occurring 48 hours after users 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 log onto a site named fear.com. That's why uh, they called it the first 48 because you're you know the odds go dramatically down if you don't catch the killer in the first 48 hours. But it's directed by William Malone. I'm opening this up to see what else he's. Oh, that makes so much sense. He directed The House on Haunted Hill from 1999, the remake badass movie i mean it has piece of shits in it too it's not a great film but it's an entertaining ass horror movie with some underratedly scary moments and like those doctors when they would look at the camera and like that shit was scary as shit man makes total sense that he directed that 
it's along the same lines of fear.com although it is way better than fear.com uh it's got an episode of masters of horror a movie called parasomnia in 2008 which i may check out now maybe that'll be in the next episode of uh i see dead movies uh he directed tv series sleepwalkers uh tales from the crypt episode and uh an episode of freddy's nightmares this guy's been around he's been around uh last thing he directed was in 2008 uh does not say that he was born in 1953 but it looks like he yeah um but no it stars <laughs> steven fucking dorf man who is always the bad guy from blade to me uh, that was his best role of all, all time. Steven Dorff is one of those guys who just looks like a movie star, you know? Like, yeah, he kind of sort of looks like Sugar Ray, too, but he just kind of has that badass vibe to him. Sort of a Christian, like a rough Christian Slater, maybe. Um, but yeah, it stars uh, Steven Dorff and Natasha Mecklehorn. This movie, Shella, that was just me making noises on my desk. Don't be barking in the middle of the podcast. But this is a time capsule, man. It is 2000s, early 2000s shitty horror at its best. And some people love this movie, and, and I respect that. I really do. But it has its moments. So that's basically what it is. These detectives are on the case of this online site that you can go to. And it's like, do you like? to watch and then it shows people dying but then and and give me some slack here because it's been a couple weeks since i've seen this but it is just nonsensical just completely fucking nonsensical it makes no goddamn sense it's one of the worst put together stories i've ever seen in a movie before like is it the website doing it is it a ghost what the fuck is going on it's some guy in a lab controlling the website how is i don't fucking know once the story unfolds you're just like this is the dumbest shit i've ever seen in my fucking life that being said just like the cover of the movie just like the that cool ass face that's on there it's all about the images you know this movie is entirely about the in- images it's like gore verbinski directed the movie and um uh, a 12 year old wrote it while on the toilet you know <laughs> it's got the coolest imagery the coolest looking shit going on or whatever it's got that badass early 2000s horror like in your face shit going on and it's actually got some creepy ass scary vibes to it but it's just again it was written by a fucking 12 year old taking having a painful shit um so i don't actually have a lot to say about the the movie it could have been creepy except for the bad guy was corny as shit like the bad guy wasn't scary at all. He just looked kind of like, kind of had a, a very much um, ooh, who, uh, mad about you, Paul Reiser. Kind of just seemed like a shitty Paul Reiser to me. He had some cool lines, but delivered them like ass. It was not a fan of the bad guy at all. Jeffrey Combs was in this as the co-detective, which was badass. He was he was cool as shit. I really liked him in the movie a lot. Jeffrey Combs could do anything, man. He could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman wearing white gloves. Udo Kier is killed in the opening scene. Like, who has Udo Kier as an actor in a movie? And it's like, ah, I'm just going to kill you in the opening scene. That guy's underrated as fuck. But it's so stupid. He just, like, sees a... He just gets stuck in the train tracks and try to hold up a book to protect him. And, like, I don't know. It's the early internet version of internet horror cyber horror and the way they try to explain everything they have no idea how the internet works and you can tell <laughs> like they're like it's going through the wires <laughs> it's just the dumbest writing i've ever fucking seen in a movie in my life with some of the coolest imagery and yeah i really should have done this closer when i saw it because a lot of it has leaked out of my brain hole since then i think like, i had a lot more to say then 
but alas, here we are. Fear.com, I'd give it like a fucking four just for the imagery. And it's got it's a 3.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Let's see what people say about it on the old tomato. Not that it fucking matters, but it's always fun to just look. Fear.cock? No, that's my web history. Fear.com. Oh my God, it's a 3% on the tomato meter. It's an 18% on the audience score. What a waste of cool visuals, man. Barbara Ellen from the Times. More stay in the Times. Oreo, Oreo. My jungle love. William Malone's fear.com is one of those mostly, those hopelessly muddled horror movies where you end up feeling more disturbed by the complete, by the incomprehensible plotting and lurching camera work than anything unfolding on screen. Fair. Jamie Bernard of the New York Daily News says the story is a mess. Some of the images offensive, the acting under par, and the dialogue silly. I like the offensive imagery. Roger Moore, Orlando Sentinel, says the pity is there's an interesting thriller buried inside this concept. Totally agree with Roger here. I'm just not smart enough to have thought of that myself. Claudia Puri from the USA Today says fear.com is the cinematic equivalent to of spam in your email inbox. I would have said shit in kitty litter, but you write for the USA Today. Manahola Dargis from the LA Times says, while such artlessness doesn't inspire shivers, it's definitely worth a cheap few cheap laughs. I would agree with you there as well. Um, ooh, Alan Jones from the Radio Times says, the real torture in this vengeful cyber spirit saga comes from having to sit through such ugly trash. Damn. God damn. Um, so yeah, unliked this movie, not liked that sort of thing. Moving on from fear.com. How do you guys feel about that one? Because I do know some people that love it. I think Jay likes it a lot, actually. Um, and all I ever remember is the fucking, do you like to watch? And I love looking at the old internet. Like, that's just the whole vibe there. It reminds me of, like the Blair Witch website when we were growing up. That's used to scare the flying fuck tits out of me. Um, but yeah. Black Butterfly. What do you do? I'm a writer. Really? I don't want to drop you on this weather coming out. I've got a guest room. You can use it for the night. Central breakfast. I noticed this door has to be reframed. You don't have to fix anything. Paul, I want to. Deal? Who said you could read the script? The stories are not good enough. I can help you. You never have time to do all that. I said it might take a little bit longer. I heard a woman scream. You didn't hear it? You always tend to imagine the worst. This is a movie that I saw. I saw. This is one of those VOD action movies that comes out, right? And this came out in 2017, starring Antonio Banderas. It's one of the movies I saw the cover of at Walmart and thought, I'm going to check that out. That actually looks cool. I wish it was like getting, you know, more play or whatever, but the cover of it's the shotgun and Antonio Banderas. And it's just, it's got a vibe to it. It's got like a horror action looking vibe to it. It's a thriller which I guess is technically sort of horror mixed with action in its own way. Uh, it's directed by Brian Goodman, and it's on HBO Max streaming right now if you guys want to check it out. Uh, Brian Goodman has directed... He directed... Uh, no, he acted in Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. He was the belligerent American in Munich, the motel owner in Catch Me If You Can, and Pat Kelly in What Doesn't Kill You. So he's more of an actor than he is a director, but... Uh, oh, he just directed a movie. He directed What Doesn't Kill You, which I will have to check out. I've seen that before. What is that one? Uh, yeah, that's Mark uh, Mark Ruffalo and Ethan Hawke. That's like a bank robber film. I think I enjoyed that one. Uh, kind of dark. But he directed a movie I just watched starring Gerard Butler called Last Seen Alive. Um, which that is a movie. It's basically breakdown with 
Kurt Russell, but instead it's Gerard Butler. Really good movie. I enjoyed this. She just came out last year. If you guys get a chance to see Last Scene Alive, if you're in the mood for that kind of movie, uh, I, I definitely recommend going to see it for sure. But yeah, so he's only directed a couple movies, but I enjoy the movies that Brian Goodman's directed so far. I kinda, I'm kind of into it. But this movie also stars Jonathan Reese Myers, who's someone I was not familiar with before I saw this movie. He's got a weird fucking face, dude. That guy has the weirdest face. My wife tells me is that that women go crazy for him, apparently. Um, he played Elvis Presley in a miniseries of, about Elvis. He was in The Tudors, so I guess that's what women dig him for. Uh, he's got a strange, strange face. It's very weird. But he does. it looks like he does a lot of these kind of straight-to-VOD films, uh, from what I can tell. But here's the premise okay imdb says a reclusive screenwriter takes in a mysterious drifter who is determined to repay his kindness by helping him finish his latest story that only is the tip of the dick iceberg on this one this one is is a weird ass motherfucker man so antonio Banderas does play a writer he's living out in the middle of nowhere right Uh, he's trying to sell his house he's an alcoholic he's having trouble getting anything on the page he's got that classic scene of him drunk on his couch in the middle of nowhere writing i am stuck over and over again on a typewriter and he goes out to the uh restaurant this cafe and he's sitting there and on the way there this dude is just being a dick and he gets into like a road rage incident and the guy tries to start shit with him and then all of a sudden the jonathan reese myers character comes out of fucking nowhere and takes the guy starting shit with Antonio Banderas, runs him outside and scares him off. So Antonio Banderas character, I'm just going to start calling him. What is his character? Is it Max? What the fuck is his name in this movie? Paul. So Paul's Antonio Banderas goes uh, and feels bad for this guy who's drifting. He's just walking on the side of the road. He's like, how can I repay you? You know, and he, and he, and Jack, who's Jonathan Reese Myers character, is like, no, you don't have to do that. But obviously he accepts. So he takes this strange drifter into his home. And he's like, uh, there's a bad storm coming. You help me out. So stay here tonight or whatever. Uh, have a clean, you know, have a roof over your head. All that shit. Which you should never pick up hitchhikers, especially when they look like the bizarro fucked up version of Dan Stevens from The Guest. Uh, guy's still handsome. Don't get me wrong. I'm not calling him ugly. He's got just a lot of character in his face. He, look, he's not somebody I'd pick up on the side of the fucking road. Or right? <laughs> I just wouldn't do it. But Antonio Banderas does. And he's, he starts drinking or whatever. And they start to befriend each other. Uh, Jonathan Reese Myers' character is like, hey, I'm going to help you fix up this sh- this place. Because he's having trouble selling his house. And he can't afford it because he can't write anything. And he's drunk all day long. So he's trying to sell. And he's like, let me fix it up for you. He's like, I'm good at this stuff. So he's working on his house while Antonio Banderas just sits in the house and just gets trashed all day. And is just watching him walk around fixing shit and cooking and all this stuff like that. And it's a very strange relationship anyways. So as we move forward, obviously Jonathan Reese Myers character gets weirder and fucking weirder. And he says, well, he starts getting just a little bit invasive. He's like, well, you finally, he says, you can't write because you fucking drink all day. He's like, why don't you write about our story? He was like, tell our story. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, tell the story about you picking me up, all this stuff like that. And then take it somewhere or whatever and he gets more and more invasive and at one point Antonio Banderas wakes up and he's got a knife to his throat and and he's about to slit his throat and then he takes a step back and he's like see now write about that like he starts doing really fucked up shit and Antonio Banderas for some reason is just fucked up enough not to make him leave and he, he gets pissed or whatever and they get in these like these crazy wild arguments and stuff gets super tense and then this girl comes into the picture Piper uh Parabo plays a girl named Laura who's trying to help him sell his house 
who he also uh, totally wants to bang. And she's the character from Yellowstone, by the way. If you watch Yellowstone, she's the environmental lady. That's all. Uh, that's really annoying in the fucking show. But she was good in this movie. She comes over. She gets involved with it. And finally, Reese Myers starts to fucking lose his shit. And he finally unleashes. And Antonio Banderas and her are stuck in the house. And he's outside. And your typical case of this guy going nuts. And he's like, you're going to finish your story. And it's, he's like, it's my story now. But it's this typical case, the guy going nuts and trapping them in the house and threatening to kill them and putting them through all sorts of shit. You know, the cops come out and he takes care of the cop. All this stuff happens. And I'm not going to give away the twist of the movie because it's really the whole movie. So in the third act, the twist is unveiled and hits a fucking spicy one. And this shit's got nuts in it. It's, it's crazy. The, the, this idea and it works and yet it really doesn't work you know on one hand it's really cool it's a really cool thought uh and you didn't see it coming i was really thinking there was a fight club situation going on my wife was thinking there was a fight i I shouldn't say that was her idea and i was like oh my god i think you're right that's what's going on here he's not even there but i should preface this by saying in the beginning of the movie before any of this stuff starts there's there's a little uh little kid that goes off that's that's with their dad that goes to get something from the car and disappears and they let us know that there's a child murderer there's a murderer on the loose and we assume the entire movie it's jonathan reese meyer's character and then the twist happens and it unfolds a fucking what do you call them a chinese egg there's twist after twist after twist there's like four fucking twists um, that unpack at the end of this movie and the big overall twist of what was really going on this entire time is, again, it's cool. It's a neat idea. I just, for those who have seen it, I'll say there's no way in hell that they would be allowed to do that in real life. There's just no way in hell that that, that they would be allowed to do that. That would be completely shut down before that concept ever began in real life. And I recommend you checking it out. I do. And if you're not going to, you can, I guess, look up the, the Wikipedia and just read about the plot that happens. But that, from a real life point of view, would never be allowed to take place as uh, we can't give away the word I want to give away. But it's neat that they tried it. Uh, for sure. And then <laughs> just... I don't know. Like, I, I like the... Here's why I like the movie. For the first three acts of the movie, I... Get a girl, big fucking rubbery one for movies about drunk writers who wear sweaters. <laughs> I don't know. It's just my genre. So I was telling my wife when I was watching, I was like, I, you know what? I, I think this is why I want to be a writer. I was like, cause I can sit around, drink whiskey all day and just wear a really comfy cardigan. Cause it just seems like Johnny Depp, secret window, Ethan Hawke, sinister. And now Antonio Banderas, like writers, they get solitude, they get alcohol and they get fuzzy coats <laughs> that just sounds like a good life to me you know um <laughs> that's really a fucked up thing to say but yeah so i i love that aesthetic i love that idea antonio banderas one of my favorite actors of all time that guy's underrated he should not be in vod movies he should be starring in and I'm no disrespect to vod movies but he should along with the, the at least the acting capabilities of mel gibson should be in the theaters in the biggest roles you know it's a shame that the acting talents of Antonio Banderas aren't getting the credit that they deserve. And he's awesome in this movie as well. You know, the writing has some plot holes and some moments in it that's not that great. But overall, both Jonathan Reese Myers, 
has a great performance in this and Antonio Banderas has a great performance in this. And uh, it's, it's fun to unravel the mystery as you go forward. It's tense. Uh, it's entertaining as fuck. Uh, I give the movie a seven solid seven. Doesn't really grab the fucking ring it's reaching for, but it was a fun ride on the way there. So uh, I really, I appreciated Black Butterfly. I, I think you guys may, may as well. At least that's just like a fun kind of old school thriller with a little 2000s type twist ending. But let's check it out here. What Rotten Tomatoes has to say about Black Butterfly. Ramble Am. Another movie recommendation you guys should check out that's even way better than this movie is, if you haven't seen it, The Butterfly Effect fucking rules. If you've not seen The Butterfly Effect and you want a nice horror thriller, slash time travel movie and i hate time travel movies check out the butterfly effect 40 percent rotten on the tomato meter about what i expected 42 percent rotten on the audience score and that's pretty fair i get that the twist in the plot holes will throw off a lot of people and they'll just say wash my hands fuck this movie that may be a situation too but if if you're just looking for something entertaining i think you could do a hell of a lot worse uh april wolf the village voice says i feel like i know her why do I know her fucking face? She says, Bandera should be in a real King adaptation, not a paraphrase of one. Ooh. Oh, that's taking a big steamy shit on the writers of this movie, but she's not wrong. It does sort of feel like a wannabe King script a little bit in a way. And Bandera should get all the credit. Sarah Michelle Fetters from moviefreak.com. I like that name. Uh, that's a fun website name. Gave it a positive score and says, Black, Black Butterfly is a strong, if still somewhat vexing thriller. I'm glad I took the time to watch. I'm right there with you, man. I get it. Uh, Vikram Murthy from RogerDeber.com says, A charmless, nonsensical thriller that doubles as a hack screenwriter's wet dream filled to the brim with faux insights that wouldn't impress even the most inattentive college freshman. God damn. Someone's shitting his cereal this morning. Uh, Richard Roper says, three stars. Well played. But wait, there's one more scene. Look, children, it's a falling star. <laughs> that was a dickish. Wow. Um, Noel Murray says, thanks to tight direction by Brian Goodman and lively performances from Antonio Banderas and Jonathan Reese Myers, the film's engaging even when it's ridiculous. Totally agree with Noel there. And then finally, Derek Smith from Slant Magazine says, Back Butterflies, undercooked and incoherent turn of events attempt to stupefy us. Wow, into mistaking its deeply flawed internal logic for ingenuity. So I guess the difference is liking this movie or not liking this movie is if you get really pissed off at the writer for thinking he was as smart as he thought he once was. <laughs> if you're if you, that doesn't bother you, if you're just like, ah, eh, that twist is kind of shitty, doesn't really check out, but good try, you might enjoy it more. That's kind of how I feel about uh, Black Butterfly at the end of the day. But uh, <laughs> on to, I totally... Check it out. See what you think, man. You'll, you'll feel one way or another about it for sure. Uh, but the last movie to speak of on this evening, and I will say I'm halfway through a movie called Den of Thieves right now with Gerard Butler. Good fucking movie so far. It's got that classic, the lead character is way too fucking ghetto and it doesn't work. Like Gerard Butler as ghetto doesn't work. You know, at one point he texts a girl. He's like, use a bad bitch. That was so hot. And then another point he's talking and he's like, uh, wifey wifey come on i'm like dude you stop it gerard you stop it i get it's supposed to be the character but it's a bank robbery movie it's one of those mean i'm a fucking macho dude bank robbery films it's pretty good though reminds me of a poor version of the movie that we're talking about next probably 
I got to make an argument. It would be in my top 10 films. Absolutely. Of all time. 1995's Heat. You search for the scent of your prey and then you hunt them down. That's the only thing you're committed to. It keeps me sharp on the edge where I got to be. You want to be making moves on the street? Allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. Now, my life's a disaster zone because I spend all my time chasing guys like you around the block. And I hope, I hope to God that some of you guys that are watching this are huge horror fans and have not seen Heat and that if you haven't, you will check it out for me. Because this is just fucking peak cinema for me. This is peak movies, man. Heat's a fucking 10 out of 10 any day of the goddamn week. And I just got the the fucking... Uh, uh, fuck, it's over there. Never mind. I just got the 4K for it and it looks beautiful it's absolutely beautiful i think i gave away the code on the patreon for the 4k uh already or else i would but yeah man michael mann who directed this this has got to be his best movie but he's got some bangers in there i mean last of the mohicans manhunter which was the first Sansa of the lambs movie collateral um i always forget what all he directed he's produced way more shit than He's directed uh, Black Hat. Not that was not great. Public Enemy's not great. Miami Vice. Okay, so it's been a minute since he's had a hit. But Collateral, he directed Ali, The Insider, Last of the Mohicans, fucking ruled. Uh, Thief, all time great movie. If you haven't seen that, starring James Caan, you should definitely see it. It's fucking awesome. So I haven't loved what much much of what Michael Mann's done lately. Um, but he's responsible for some all time classics. Definitely the best one being unequivocally heat starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer and a fucking litany of people. Listen to this. All right. Al Pacino, Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, Robert De Niro, John Voight, Ashley Judd, Ted Levine, Tom Noonan, Hank Azaria, Kevin Gage, William Fickner, Natalie Portman as a child. Just dude, Every single person in this movie that you see, you're going to go, oh, it's that fucking guy or girl. Just what a goddamn movie. This is Casino. This is Goodfellas. This is all, this is a score. It's like Michael Mann's Scorsese film. I mean, it really is. And it may not be as good as Casino or Goodfellas to some of you guys. It is to me. I think I'd good put Goodfellas probably would go above it. But it's got one of the all-time greatest scripts of all time, in my opinion. You've got this lead character in Al Pacino. And here's why I i think love it maybe deeper than some do is because al pacino's character is he's this this homicide detective and he's obviously robert de niro's the bad guy val kilmer's the bad guy in quotations depending on how you watch the movie but they've got this elite team of bank robbers right that are just fucking amazing at what they do but they also in the drop of a hat will kill civilians and police officers or whoever like robert de niro doesn't want to he doesn't like to but between that and him going back to jail as he says i will put you down so uh the movie starts and there's this big bank robbery awesome scene think an entire movie based on the opening fucking bank robbery scene from the dark knight and that also stars william fitner which is crazy or fitcher i don't know how you say his name fitner but uh this elite crew of bank robbers right and uh they hire this dude who looks just like Buffalo Bill from the Silence of the Lambs movie. And ironically, is not him, but he is in the movie as a cop. 
it's fucking weird. What's the dude's name? Um, it's not Ted Levine, but it's Kevin Gage, who looks just like Ted Levine. It's fucking wild. But they hire him for the bank robbery. He goes crazy and starts killing innocent people for no reason. And Robert De Niro is fucking pissed. As soon as they get back to the fucking cafe where they're supposed to meet up, he beats the shit out of the guy, goes to kill him. He escapes. Anyways, Al Pacino is this homicide detective who's working the case. And he's got this, this wife who he's having is on his third marriage. He's got a fucked up home life. Uh, her kids having all sorts of troubles. Her kids, Natalie Portman, but but what makes it so great is the dichotomy between these two characters. This Al Pacino character who's on his third marriage, he, he's given his whole life to this. You know, he comes home and he tries to be a husband. You know, he he tries to be that, but he can't help it. So his only connection in his life is that he goes home in the middle of the night after working all night because these these cases, these people that he couldn't help, they haunt him. And even says that he has these dreams or whatever. So he's obsessed with his work. It's all he is. And he comes home and he just sits at the table puts his feet up and the only connection, the only relief he has is this tiny little box TV that sits on his kitchen table. And his wife's always giving him shit. She's like, you're not here. What's going on? He's like, I'm sorry. I don't know what you want. You know, you want me to come home? She's like, tell me about your work. It's like, you want me to come home and tell you I found a baby that was microwaved. Like, I I can't tell you this shit. And like their whole thing's really neat, but his obsession meets Robert De Niro's character's obsession. And his obsession is look, I don't want to live like anybody else. I, I don't want to be like anybody else. I, I want to, I, I do what I'm good at, which is taking down scores and I'm never going back to jail. And eventually I'm going to get away from all this. He, he, he meets a woman midway through the film does not see it coming and falls in love with her. And now he's going to get out of it. He's going to do one big score to get away. Kind of fucks up his whole plan. Cause as he says, he's like, I'm lonely or he's like, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. He he's okay with his life up until the point where he meets her. So, his obsession to perfection with what he does and his obsession with never going back to prison meets Al Pacino's character's obsession with catching these guys. And it literally meets when, while they're investigating, he pulls over Robert De Niro and is like, hey, go to this cafe over here. That, that, that was an awful Al Pacino impression. I had it for a second there. He's like, come over to this cafe. <laughs> that was a little better. But And they sit down and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino face-to-face with some of the best script writing I've ever heard. This amazing, and it's nothing crazy. They're not going over the top. They're not screaming. They're not yelling. They're two men sitting down, having a face-to-face, earnest conversation with each other. And goddamn, it might as well be just boobies jiggling on the screen to me. I fucking love it. I eat this shit up. I watch this movie like once or twice a year. That scene's one of the greatest scenes in movies to me. I love it. I love these characters' whole dichotomy like the the whole thing that's going on with them all the all the the every character has his own story val kilmer's character he's barely in the movie i mean not not barely in the movie he's a main character in the movie but he's not like the lead or anything obviously he has a gambling addiction he's he's having trouble with his with his girlfriend ashley judd and she's cheating on him and he cheats on her and their lives all fucked up there's all sorts of different storylines going on with these bank robbers and their lives and it all comes together and this gigantic score at the end where Pacino knows he's going to try to take down one more and Robert De Niro knows that he's going to try to stop him. And they both have looked each other in the face and been like, hey, you know what? I actually like you. I actually understand where you're coming from. But if it comes down to me or you, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking face. And this big, huge bank robbery scene plays out at the end. And they're literally shooting people in the streets, trying to get away. It's fucking 
crazy sauce. And then there's like a Godfather type scene where De Niro has to go through uh, after the bank robbery scene. He's trying to get away and he's cutting loose ends and shit like that. And then there's a face off, the classic face off between those two when they finally meet together in the end. Just man, what a movie, the cinematography, the fucking music. It's a 10 out of 10. It's a perfect goddamn film. I love this movie. It's such a fucking vibe, man. It's like if the movie Drive, Nicholas Wang reference Drive, met fucking Godfather 2. And it's not as good as the Godfather 2, probably. Um, but it's got its fucking moments, you know? So I love Heat. I don't know if you guys feel the way I do about it, but that's why I love the movie Heat so damn much. And, so, dude, crazy Pacino through this entire thing. People give Nicholas Cage credit for, you know, crazy Cage. Crazy Pacino is a thing that fucking exists. Some of the best Pacino quotes of all time in this movie. At one point, he's talking to a guy and he's like, he's like, what the fuck do I care about her? And Pacino goes, because she's got a big ass and you got your head all the way up. <laughs> it's a fucking, I paused and rewound that like 10 times. Kenny's like, what the fuck are you laughing so hard at? I was like, I can't help it. It's the funniest shit ever. And there's another point where he's shaking down a guy, an informant, and he's walking out and he turns around and he's like, don't waste my motherfucking time. It's so awesome. God damn, I love Al Pacino in this fucking movie. And again, the great quote from De Niro in this movie is obviously the, uh, he's like, never get so attached to anything that you can't walk away from it in 30 seconds or less. And I probably fucked that up because I always fuck up that quote, but that's his whole mantra in life. He's like, never get too attached to anything that you can't walk away from in 30 seconds or less if you feel the heat around the corner. Uh, but then he does let that happen to him, and then he's in this 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 situation. But just a, a a slick, fucking awesome crime movie, an awesome bank robbery movie, probably the best bank robbery movie of all time, if I had to say so. An awesome character piece. It's just got everything you want in a fucking movie, man. Um, everything. Amazing cinematography. It's just goddamn. I love this fucking movie. Let's see if I'm missing any quotes here. Because IMDb always has, that's one of the best parts about IMDb is they actually have some of the quotes listed for the movies. And my internet's taking a big hairy shit right now. Um, yeah, Al Pacino's like, my life's a disaster zone. I got a stepdaughter so fucked up because the real father's this large type asshole. I got a wife we're passing each other on the downslope of a marriage, my third, because I spent all my time chasing guys like you around the block. That's my life. That was a terrible Pacino impression, but I just, I love that dialogue so much. Uh, and that's the line from Neil McCauley, Robert De Niro's character. Don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. Now, if you're on me and I got to move when I move, how do you expect to keep a marriage? Uh, just such a fucking great line. Um, <laughs> oh, it's not big ass. He's like, because she's got a great ass. Um, <laughs> at one point, Al Pacino's interrogating this guy. And he's like, who? Who? He's like, who? What are you, a fucking owl? <laughs> oh, shit. All right, I'll quit doing the fucking terrible, uh, the terrible Al Pacino impressions. But there's another great line from him when his wife is talking to him. And she's like, she's like, you're a ghost. She's like, you're not here. You might as well be dead. And he's like, she's like, talk to me about it. He's like, so if I just talk to you about all this stuff, all of a sudden it's magically better. I got it off my chest. He's like, no, I need to keep that shit inside because he's like, it's what keeps me sharp. It's what keeps me on the move. He says, I've got to hold on to my angst. I preserve it because I need it. It keeps me sharp on the edge where I got to be. And that's just, man, it just says all you need to know about that character. 
and how fucked up he is. And one of the best scenes of the movie, too. It's it's sad and it's fucked up, but I love it because it's just kind of how my fucked up brain works sometimes. And I think we all get that way. I'm not saying it would be in this situation, but he comes home and he knows the relationship with his wife is over with. He knows that they're done for. But he comes home and this dude, the uh, husband from fucking Candyman, by the way, is in his house. I think his name's Neil. And uh, uh, no, his name's not Neil. I wish he knows his name is Neil. Anyways, this guy's in his house and he doesn't catch him fucking his wife, but he knows what he's there for. And the guy's like, oh, he's like, no, sit down, sit down. He's like, you're fine. You're fine. Just stay right there. And she's like in his face and she's like, look, I, look what I have to do. She's like, I have to demean myself with Ralph. That's his name, Ralph, just so I can have closure with you. And it's a sad moment. But what's funny is Al Pacino's rant. He's like, he's like, you come over here. You fucked my wife. He's like, but you cannot watch my motherfucking TV. <laughs> he's not pissed that he's begging his wife. He's pissed because he's watching his TV that he comes home to every night and watches. And he grabs the TV and he fucking rips it out of the wall. And he's banging it all over the place. Like, you do not watch my fucking TV. And he takes the TV with him and then eventually kicks it out of the car. But just a great scene. There's a million great scenes. Uh, a great character piece. He's a fucking all-timer, man. I'm going to get pissed if I look up these Rotten Tomato scores for Heat. And they say anything nasty about my fucking movie. But we've been doing it all day, so we're going to continue to do it. You better not, you motherfucker, you. 88% fresh. Do you know how many pieces of shit, Marvel whatever fucking whatever, come out in our like 98s these days? 88% fucking heat. Well, straight to a negative one. Fucking Stephen Ray from the Philadelphia Inquirer. You shut your goddamn mouth, you James Cameron looking piece of shit. Anyway, he says, so why doesn't Heat, with its elaborately staged, tautly edited robberies, its killer cast, edgy score, and elegant cinematography, offer more satisfaction? It's the script, stupid. Oh! That motherfucker, take his card away right now. You dare. You fucking dare. There's little, very few things I get mad about when we're talking about just good old-fashioned movie watching, but this might be one of them. Barbara Schulgasser from Common Sense Media says, criminal and police face-off in bloody 90s action adventure, and gave it a negative score. What was she fucking going to watch? I don't understand what she's even saying there. That one's broken. David Starrett from the Christian Science Monitor who looks like your shitty principal from sixth grade, says the performances are persuasive, but the plot rattles on much too long. I bet that guy gave Avatar a positive score. Bob Westall says, I admire man's emotional commitment and his sense of style, but it also grates on me. Well, that's just a personal issue that I can understand for sure. So, um, and Janet Maslin from the New York Times says, as he progresses, it's sensational looks pale beside storytelling weaknesses that expose the more soulless aspects of this cat and mouse crime tale. You shut your fucking mouth, lady. Uh, other people say, I'll just rattle them off because the rest of them are positive. With De Niro and Pacino in excellent form, man's heat ignites the screen. De Niro delivers a frightening vision of frosty criminal efficiency. That's true. Uh, heat has an intoxicating, seductive look and feel, and if viewers can check their brains at the door, it succeeds on a surface level. Bitch, it's smart. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
riveting cops and robbers tale. Nobody gets what's great about this movie on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm just going to stop reading those. Even the positive scores have no idea why this movie is so great, so they should shut the fuck up! That was another terrible Pacino. I I should stop doing that, shouldn't I? I absolutely should. It's definitely hit or miss at best. And this show is over, and that's for the best. Uh... This was fun. It's always fun. I love doing this show, man. I love talking about movies that otherwise we wouldn't get a chance to talk about together. What is one random movie from your top 10 movies list of all time? Just one random movie that would definitely be in your top 10 movies of all time. Uh, Maybe let's say not horror film. Can't be a horror film. Comment down below wherever you're watching this at and let me know because I, I want to know. I think that'd be interesting. I hope you guys enjoyed watching this. I know we we're all over the place, sort of ADD. It's just kind of a... But uh, I have fun doing it. I love doing this show. And again, if you want to watch the video version of it, it's on Patreon, which there's a link for below. I love your all's fucking faces. We will see you next week on I See Dead Movies. Movies. Hey guys, it's that weird interjected podcast advertisement, but it's for us. Our Patreon, my friends, is what keeps this channel alive. It's what keeps the podcast going. It's what keeps the videos going. And, you know, we try to do as much to give you guys value for that back as possible, which is why in our three tiers of Patreon, you can get anything from 100 plus behind the scenes or extra videos, over 70 full movie commentaries, plus a new one every single month that you guys get to vote on. You get 20% off of any of our merch. You get a personalized movie review. You get a personalized video message from any of our characters on a topic of your choice from Leatherface to Loomis to Michael. Well, he doesn't speak, so that doesn't make sense but you get the idea you get a blockbuster type wham video rental card you get a signed photograph in the mail you get uh, what else is there butt stuff i don't know we'll do whatever it takes i just uh, hope you guys will just take a look around just close your eyes click the link below and just feel around it can't hurt to take a look you know just check it out and um i hope you guys will join because again that's what keeps us going and we really do love all of our patreon members and you Now let me in your fucking house.